Welcome to Praying the Psalms, a daily podcast from Doxa Church in Madison, Wisconsin. As the church finds itself isolated physically, we are reading, studying, and praying the psalms to join ourselves together spiritually. We want to slow down, get a bigger picture of God, and a clearer picture of ourselves. Most of all, we want to join ourselves together around the throne of Jesus who has joined himself to us. Today we find ourselves in Psalm 112. As always, you'll be best prepared to interact and engage with this podcast if you have already read through the psalm by yourself. Yesterday's Psalm 111 was all about God. I don't know if you noticed that. It was about his faithfulness and the works that he performs for his people. He causes us to remember those works. And many of the psalms are God-centered like Psalm 111. But interestingly enough, today's Psalm 112 is more man-centered. Here we find a description of a godly man or woman. And so what I'm going to do today is read through the psalm just sort of verse by verse. And I'll point out a few things. But I want us to be asking ourselves one simple question throughout. Does this portrayal describe us? So let's start with verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. For me, it only takes a verse for us to get to a descriptor that isn't very a very accurate portrayal of myself. If you think about it, isn't it a strange thing to be described as delighting in commandments? Take a moment to consider that. If you do, you begin to recognize how weird that is, how incomprehensible that would be for someone who doesn't know Jesus. Most of the laws and commandments that we have in this world are used to stifle our natural independence and freedom. And many of us only follow them because we fear the repercussions of the government. And yet the Bible tells us that we're supposed to delight in the Lord's commandments. I think of the end of Deuteronomy, which sums this up perfectly. This passage comes just after the prophet Moses has finished reciting the Old Testament covenant and laws to the people of Israel, who are about to enter the promised land and establish their nation. In chapter 32, verse 45, it says, And when Moses had finished speaking all these words, words to Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it's no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. God's commandments and all of the intricate and confusing details are our very life. That, that is wild to me. Is that how you think of God's commands? Jesus said later that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I've always found that phrase strange too. The yoke that Jesus carried and the one he asked us to carry, that is the task of daily taking up our cross and following him, is anything but easy. And yet this psalm tells us that we ought to delight in those commandments. To delight in his commandments will take an all-encompassing heart change and mind change. We need to begin to see life completely differently. Not as something that we are trying to independently express ourselves in the most true way, but as a life that's to be lived for the glory of God. And that's when those commandments can be delighted in. We need to beg God today to give us that mindset. 
All right, that's verse 1, so let's continue to verse 2. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Okay, this verse needs some clarification for us. When the psalm was written, God displayed his favor to his holy people by giving them wealth, advancing their borders, and making them secure in the land. However, after Jesus came, the nature of the Lord's blessing and favor changed. God's people are no longer guaranteed financial and physical security if they follow him. In fact, oftentimes the opposite. But instead, Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 that we've been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That we've been adopted and redeemed by Christ's blood. That we've obtained an inheritance in the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So instead of, like in the Old Testament, temporal earthly security, we have eternal spiritual security, which is a far greater gift. So in our case, a righteous man or woman now is characterized by that confidence and security. Let's continue. Verse 4 says, Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with a man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Grace, mercy, righteousness, generosity, justice. Let's go back to our question. Are those words that describe you? I'm lacking all of them, unfortunately. It's cool that the Lord led us to this psalm this week after being taught from Micah 6 and Isaiah 58 this past weekend at Doxa. God's righteous people are to be characterized by generosity and justice. He has told you, O oh man, what it is he requires of you. To live justly. These things aren't negotiable for us. Let's continue. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. This is a hard one too. <laughs> They're all hard, really. You know, 2020, it seems as if it's been full of catastrophe. You know, now we have fires in Southern California. I've had friends who have had to pack up their lab, freeze their worms, and put their worms in their deep freezer at home. The Gulf Coast has two tropical storms that are supposed to cross at some point over the next few days. And really, most of us are just waiting for the next bit of bad news. Is it going to be a derecho to hit Madison now like it hit Iowa? This psalm doesn't tell us not to expect bad news. We know that will come. But we're not to be afraid of it because we are confident in the Lord's provision and guidance. Let's finish it up. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. It's interesting that to finish it all up, the psalmist actually reiterates the necessity of generosity. 
But in this case, he clarifies the object of one's generosity, and in, it's those living in poverty. So earlier, when it said in verse 5, it is well with a man who deals generously and lends, now we're clarified. Is it exactly who are we supposed to be dealing generously with? And I think, yes, with all of the people around us, we should have a general disposition of generosity, but especially, especially we're to give particular attention to those who are in most need. This again reminds us of Isaiah 58. Generosity is so important that the psalmist here lists it twice in his description of a godly person. Okay, so how did you measure up? I think that's, that's the task for us today, is to look at this psalm, and this is the biblical description of the righteous person who follows Jesus. And it's right for us to look at this list and know that we don't fulfill it, that Jesus does in our place, and yet at the same time strive for that righteousness and holiness. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a minute of silence, and I'd like you to just go through the list and think about what words people would use to describe you. When we think about desirable traits for like a friend or a potential spouse, we often things like think of things like humor or fun or kind. And those are fine things, but none of those things show up on God's list. His list looks pretty different. Merciful, righteousness, confidence, graciousness, generosity, justice. These are the things that God desires and the things that we should desire in ourselves. And so as you think of your own primary descriptors, and compare it to this list, I think it can be overwhelming to look at all of them like, wow, I don't measure up at all. And so what I'd like to do this morning is just take one. So find the one that the Spirit's pointing out to you, or maybe the one that you lack the most, and pray over that. Ask God to change you. Ask God to give you a desire to be changed. Ask God to help you delight in his commandments. And then I'll come back in a minute or two and finish. Father, I love you, and I thank you for giving us these two psalms back to back, where yesterday we were caused to remember your works, 
we thought back to all of the things that you've done in our lives, things that you've done throughout the expanse of history, and how you have been guiding it throughout. You've stepped in at crucial moments and made your way, made your um, your opinion and your power obvious. And we were able to worship you for that. And now, Lord, the psalmist changes the focus to be on our own hearts and our own ways. And God, I'm just really compelled by that first verse that I'm supposed to delight in your commandments. And honestly, I just confess that most of them are burdensome to me. That obedience, submission are like dirty words. I don't want to do either of those things. I don't delight in your commandments. I resent them often. I wish I didn't have to follow them. And God, that's just the sin of my mind, the sin of my heart, just completely disoriented, not knowing at all what true freedom is and true flourishing is. That in order to flourish... I need to follow you and adhere to your commandments because your commandments are my life. So God, would you change me? And would you help me not only to delight in your commandments, but to live by them? God, I pray for all of those at Doxa and those working through Psalm 112 today, that you would build in us hearts that desire these things and lives that would be accurately described by these words. Generosity, justice, righteousness, mercy, graciousness. Jesus, you embodied those. You embodied them. That's a great word. You are the essential definition of those things. As we learned, God, you define justiceness because you are just. You define generosity because you are generous. You, Jesus, embodied those. And so we look to you for guidance, for an example. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you that you would make us like Jesus. It's as simple as that. We beg that of you today. Help us to do it. Amen.